Hey, My Mom's Basement listeners, you can find our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube, and Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost my turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000. UFC 238 going down tomorrow night in Chicago, Illinois. And on today's show, I have Marlon Marais, who will challenge Henry Cejudo for the vacant bantamweight championship in tomorrow night's main event. And I also have his teammate and an old friend of mine, Caitlin Chukagian, on the show, who uh, I, had a, I had a bit of a past with in making my first ever Barstool Sports video with her. If you haven't seen it, go check it out, because it'll be, uh, I think it'll be a funny watch before our interview, our chat. It's called Fight of the Century Fox versus Chukagian on YouTube. You could find it pretty easily, and uh, she kicked my ass. She tapped me out 19 times in four minutes and then kicked me in the face. It was not a great day for me, but we got a very funny video out of it. I got my start, my start in my video career at Barstool because of it, so it was fun to reconnect with her and have her in the office and do finally like an actual sit-down interview with her so both of them they're actually from the same camp in tom's river new jersey are fighting on tomorrow night's card she's opening the card off uh against joanne calderwood and marlon is closing the card so we have we have the bookends of chicago's chicago's pay-per-view on the show today remember if you like the show make sure you're subscribed leave us a review leave us a rating tweet about the show let's keep the discussion going throughout the weekend throughout the week um we did record these interviews early in the week so i think we did a monday and tuesday so we didn't get any of the henry cejudo cringe fest in there but oh my god Henry Cejudo. Folks, I fucking hate this guy, and I need Marlon to kick his head into the ether, as someone put it on Twitter earlier. It's, uh, it's, just, it's just a rough watch. Anytime that guy is talking about anything, anytime that guy is bringing props out, he's wearing his party city crown to throw out the first pitch, talking about his gold medal. Jesus fucking Christ, I've heard enough of it, and I defended him for a long time, too. I thought maybe he's a good good ambassador for the sport. You know, he did beat DJ. I didn't think he beat DJ, but he has that massive win to his name. It could add to, you know, the intrigue of the flyweight division, possibly, which I want to stay around. But now I'm all out on him. I need Marlon to kick his ass tomorrow night. I need Henry Cejudo to go back down to flyweight and give Joe Benavidez his rematch, which he deserves because Joe beat him, and then Henry just went on to get a title shot and win, so Joe Joe needs a match. You give that to Joe Benavidez, he kicks Henry's ass, and Henry just goes off into the oblivion. And I feel bad saying that because he's an American legend, you know, Olympic gold medalist, blah, 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 blah. If you don't know about it, just ask him. He'll tell you about it. it I, I, I just fucking hate him. I'm sorry, folks. I'm sorry to be so crass on this podcast. I'm sorry to be so rude. I don't like showing my bias as, you know, a, a big J journalist in the MMA game, but... God. Before we get into the interviews, I will say uh, if you're coming to this podcast looking for picks, if you're if you're looking for gambling picks for UFC 238, you're looking at the wrong guy. You're listening to the wrong guy. I really don't give out picks often. It's kind of weird, you know, as far as your relationship with the fighters goes. And also, I'm not good at it. So why would I do that? It's just kind of a lose lose. But I do know the people's main event tomorrow night is Cowboy Cerrone versus Tony Ferguson. 
I think it's a tremendous fight. I'm looking forward to it a ton. I like Cowboy in that fight simply because he's a dad, and I don't think dad Cowboy can be defeated. But I think I even touched on that in my Memorial Day mailbag episode, so I won't spend too much more time on it. I do like Marlon in the main event. I like Valentina Shevchenko in the co-main event. And of course, I like my girl Caitlin Chukagian in the first fight of the entire card. And without further ado, let's bring her on the podcast. Let's talk about it. So here you go. Here is my discussion with Caitlin Chukagian ahead of UFC 238. Okay, welcome back to the show. I have a very special guest joining the program now. It's an in-person interview with the one, the only, Caitlin Chukagian. Now, we're two blocks down the street right now from where one of the fights of the century happened, uh, (laughs) where I got my ass kicked by Caitlin, tapped me out, I think, 19 times in four minutes. I just rewatched that video for the first time in a long time. It's my first video ever with Barstool. Two years years following that gruesome fight. Yeah. What kind of toll did that take on you? What kind of toll did that take on your career? How have you been since? I think since, like, that fight, that kind of, you know, started, jump-started my real fighting career. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. Yeah. All right, we're actually going to do a real interview, though. We're not, we're not doing this kayfabe. <laughs> I want to go back to the beginning with you. Getting into fighting, getting into martial arts, because you've been training forever, correct? Mm-hmm. Like, since you were a little kid? Yeah. So how did that start for you? Was your parents, like, did they get you into it? Yeah, so I started karate when I was four. My um, my older brother, who's four years older than me, he did it. Yep. So um, when he was training karate, you know, just like how a lot of us have did when we were little, it was pretty common. Um, I was always in the lobby, and, like, pretty much all, like, the younger sisters would always play in the lobby. And then when they got old enough, they were there all the time, so they just kind of signed up, too. And, um, you know, most of them just did it until they were, like eight nine and then did gymnastics and dance and cheerleading and all that stuff and i just kind of like stuck with it i did other sports but that was always like my main sport you know like um so i did karate yeah i did karate and i was always like one belt like one big belt behind my brother so like when i started he had got a black belt and then when i got my first degree black belt like they had a kid system then he got his second degree so i was always like trying to chase that and um you know I, it was just us two, so I always wanted to kind of be like him and be tough so I could play with him and his friends when they were over. I thought they were, you know, that was cool. So that was kind of like my motivation. And then, you know, through that, I was just, I was like really good at it. I just, so I got like a lot of attention doing it. And I like, I loved being like the best one in the class, you and, know. And when did it become serious then from like, oh, this is fun and I'm really good at it to mm-hmm. like, wait, this might be like a career. Well, I think I always knew. I don't think I thought, oh, I'm going to fight professionally. Like, And, like, me. are you watching mixed martial arts at that time being no. like, this could be a career? Or not no, even? I kind of just thought, like, I looked up to, like, you know, the senseis at the gym and kind of was like, oh, that's cool. There was, like, one girl instructor, and I was like, oh, that's so cool. She's the only girl sensei. Like, I want to be like that. So I didn't know that I would be, like – fighting professionally but i thought i'd be teaching or just being to a higher level of martial arts where i would be teaching or you know just achieving that goal whether you know i mean i think even in high school they start like ufc started getting kind of popular with but i i mean i kind of watched it you know like when that was like when gsp was super popular and like i kind of watched it and did kids in high school know like Caitlin will fuck you up. Like no, she's... no, not at all. They, I got made fun of. Like they would always like in high school. They're like, "Oh, you do kung fu, Mr. Miyagi." Oh, and then we would watch the UFC would be on. I'm like, "That's." I mean, we don't. What I did, I didn't call it MMA, but I was mm-hmm. like, "That's basically what I do." And like, 
I would get made fun of all the time for doing yeah, that. Yeah, like, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, you oh, you play with nunchucks and yeah. stuff. And, like, sometimes, like, they'd see pictures of me when I was younger with, like, the karate. But, like, high school, I was competing in Golden Gloves boxing. Like, I won Pennsylvania. So when did you go from karate to, like, all right, let me do boxing, let me do jujitsu, mm-hmm. let me do this, let me do that? Uh Probably around, like, beginning of high school. Um, The place where I did karate at was kind of like a hybrid of different styles. And they were still called karate, but we were doing jujitsu. We were doing kickboxing. Like, you know, when I was, like, five, I did point sparring. But besides that, we did full contact sparring with takedowns, just not to the face for kids. So it wasn't, like, karate, like, point sparring. We were still basically doing MMA. We just didn't really have like all the tools and techniques of it and then when it gets serious for you that's Uh, after high school yeah i mean i would say high school got pretty serious just because i had about 10 boxing fights and like uh you know i like i said i won the golden gloves and then i've had about 20 like kickboxing fights and i started doing jujitsu tournaments like very basic stuff and then in college i um i moved to like I moved to New Jersey so I could be like around more, yep. uh, you know, more training and better, you know, higher level training. And then that's when I was like, hey, I want to do MMA. I'm doing everything. I'm, I'm doing jujitsu separate and kickboxing separate. I want to combine it. And then um, I started training. I needed to get better at jujitsu, so I started training mm-hmm. at a Henzo Gracie. In Jersey or in New York? I first started at a, Hen- a Henzo Gracie affiliate in Newark, New Jersey. Which one? Um, Bittencourt. It's okay, a, yeah, and I know somebody that trains there. Yeah, I yeah. Follow them on Instagram or something. Yeah, and I started training there, and then everyone in the Henzo community kind of all know each other, and they yeah. that was just a jujitsu school. So I put the gi on, and I did jujitsu twice a day, every day for like a whole year, and I just did that. And then, um, you know, through there, I met a bunch of people at Henzo's, and I, they knew I wanted to get um, into MMA, so they kind of sent me to henzo's here in, in the city yep. so um because they have more mma stuff there and then yeah. that's kind of how i got into it and then you start tearing up the like regional scene mm-hmm. in mma in like atlantic city right yeah i had um seven amateur fights like on about a year and a half two years that's crazy yeah i was surprised that like now like that's I, insane especially because that was like four or five like five years ago i was surprised that i could get that many fights yeah you know just because there were even two years ago it wasn't as popular as it is now for girls yeah so i got you know seven seven amateur fights and then i turned pro and i got seven pro fights and they were mostly all like around new jersey pennsylvania atlantic city like philadelphia and then um I fought two fights in Hungary because I, I fought twice in one night because I could. It got to a point in the regional. You scene. fought twice in one night, yeah. Like a tournament, yeah. It was like a uh, four girl tournament, yeah. That's crazy. That's yeah. that's fucking bonkers. Yeah, when did you get the call to the UFC? Um, like after, the actual like the call call. I was bartending. Um, I actually, you know, what's crazy is I knew that because I trained jujitsu. This my friend is gonna fucking kill me for saying uh. this, but I trained jujitsu with a guy. Uh, Back in Jersey, uh-huh. who said he met you once while you were bartending, and he tried yeah. to kind of flex a little bit and be like, "Oh yeah, I train uh, jujitsu," and you were like, "I'm a brown belt," and he was like, "Oh, uh, well, I'm going to take my drink to the other side of the <laughs> oh bar." Oh my then. gosh, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I was bartending in Hoboken, and I remember it was like a slow, it was like a day shift, and my I had a manager for my two previous fights, and he called me. He's like, um, "Well, we had talked about it because I was fighting at 125, and they didn't have 125 yep. in the UFC for women. They had 115 or 135. So, you know, it was kind of getting to the point where, like, well, 
there's it's hard getting hard i have seven pro fights it's hard for me to find fights outside of the ufc so i can either move up a weight class and go in the ufc or i can just sit around and wait and hope that they open up 125 but there was no promise that there would be and they were kind of saying at the time that they they had no plans to do so yeah they just say no 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 and then one day they're like yeah we're doing it which seems to be the dana white way yeah exactly so um yeah, I told my manager, I was like, well, I mean, I guess I'll just move up to 125 if that means I can get in the UFC, like, running out of things to do. And then, you know, I'll do that. And then if they open up 125, I'll move down. But whatever, I guess I'll just move up. There's nothing else I could do. And then it was like two weeks later, he's like, so he called me and it was like, so I was bartending. It was like a slow day shift. And he's like, so uh, do you want to go up to 135 for real for the UFC? I was like, yeah, I mean, I said I would. He's like, okay, do you want to fight in two weeks? It was like two and a half weeks. I was like, wait, really? He goes, yeah, the, um, do you want to fight Lauren Murphy uh, in, I think it was like South Carolina, or Sioux Falls? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was North Carolina. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I was like, uh, sure, really? And like, all right, we'll send all the paperwork tomorrow and stuff. I was like, okay. Like, so short notice, and you came and you won that fight. Yeah, yeah. Is that like... I mean, at that point, it had to be the greatest night of, like, your career, Yeah, your it happened. Life. It was yeah. kind of – I'm so happy that it was, like, short notice. It happened so quick. It was, you like – feel like you didn't have time to be nervous about it? Yeah, I didn't have time. It was just like, oh, shit, okay, got to be – got to get ready, you know. I didn't have time to think about other stuff, so. Had you gotten nervous for fights before that, like, when you had Atlantic City fights or whatever? Like, do you get nervous? Do you get – Yeah, um, I get nervous, like, the – probably a couple hours like once we get to the arena because yeah. anytime before that it just feels like it doesn't feel like i'm fighting it just yeah. i'm like yeah i don't know it doesn't feel like it. i guess when it gets here I'll, and then once i get to like the arena i start to get a little nervous and like no matter what fight it's always the same like my first amateur fight in like some high school gym i get just as nervous as when i fought at msg it's like this, that's interesting you know because every fight is your biggest fight and when when does that go away for you because i always i always wonder about this as a kid with horrendous anxiety i mean mm-hmm. look at me you could tell i have anxiety just by my face <laughs> but uh when you're walking out is the adrenaline already pumping where the nerves are gone there or no is it not like, until like i the first like till i get hit like the first punch oh shit like, so even second, when buffers yeah. like yeah i'm like fighter. just hurry up just shut up and oh, let's wow. get this started like wow. i mean i'm not that nervous where i'm like free like oh yeah. like panic attack but i'm definitely just like fuck i just want to get this like over with i just because once out. you're once you're actually fighting then it's like boom, Completely and I keep telling myself, I'm like, over, as right? soon as about, as soon as like a first punch is thrown, I'm like, it'll be fine. Yeah. And then it's like, e- you know, even if it's a super easy fight or a super hard fight, it's it's all the same. Once you start, it's like, you know, right before like when we're standing there and like Bruce is talking, I always just tell myself, I'm like, 17 minutes and then we're done. 17 yeah. minutes and then we're done. And then Which, I, like, I could be a normal person in 17 minutes. Like, no matter what happens, this is over and with. And it's so yeah. crazy, too, that it is only 17 minutes. It's so important. Yeah. But, like, when you look at it, it's not even the, the length of, like, a half-hour television yeah. show without the commercials. Oh, my God. It's totally. crazy to think about. So when did you start training with Mark Henry? You're like, I know right now you're training in Mark Henry's basement. Yeah. Well, uh, when we do, like, one-on-one sessions with him, we yeah. do it at his house. Well, first of I all, saw I- an interview with you where you were like, yeah, we, we walk in and his, like, wife is making coffee and yeah well first of all his house is really nice so his basement you sure, say basement yeah. you say basement and everyone's yeah. like ooh. i'm like mm, his basement's like nicer than most apartments i've lived in yeah. before so um but yeah we do he's so busy like with he has his pizzeria like the yeah. whole coaching 
the whole coaching thing is a side gig. It's like his hobby. So like his main thing is his pizzeria. And he's one of the best coaches in the history of MMA, yeah. which is interesting that that is his side gig. Yeah. So it has to be at his house because he can do he can do one fighter in the morning before he leaves. And then when he gets back in the afternoon, he can do one before to train another fighter before he like has to spend. And some what's time that team? It's it's you, Frankie. Uh, Marlon Zabit. Yeah, um, Eddie Alvarez. It's like a very tight knit small team. Yeah, but it makes me laugh because as a kid that grew up in Jersey and has a ton of friends from Long Island, it's the most like New Jersey Long Island team of all time. Yeah, yeah. When when that team rolls into a UFC event and you're in the media room, like you know they rolled in because yeah, yeah. It sounds like your family gathering at home. Yeah, exactly. And that's what's cool about it is it's very like. You know, it's tight-knit. It's very family-oriented. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we're all friends. Everyone's just, like, really – there's no, like, douchebags. You know yeah. what I mean? If there, if you were that type of personality, you probably wouldn't like it there. And you probably just wouldn't last there because it's just I not our I feel like that's, for the most part, New Jersey and New York, like, MMA fighters in general. Like, the high-level UFC ones, the, the whole Weidman group, the mm-hmm. Iaquinta, Weidman, Volante, like, that whole squad. Yeah. It kind of feels like – a fun-loving, like, maybe they get a little bit of the New York Hardo reputation, but it mm-hmm. feels like a fun-loving squad. Yeah, it's more of, like, if you kind of, like, mess with our, our people, yeah. then there's a problem. But, you know, like, even I just moved to Long Island, so I do my strength training at, at Wyman's gym. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, me and my fiancé, we're really good friends with Ryan LaFlair and yep. Dennis Bermudez, Chris Wade. And it's just kind of, like, it's the same with those type of people. It's the same environment as, like, it is in South Jersey. So your first loss in the UFC at Madison Square Garden, mm-hmm. it's a split decision to Liz Carmouche. Yeah. Um, what was that like? Did you – I remember talking to you when we filmed the video and I was like, oh, so close. And you were like, no, I definitely lost. You were like – Yeah. A lot of people are like, oh, I thought you won that fight. And I'm like, I mean, at best, if they had the new ruling system, which they didn't at the time. Yeah. So I think it could have been a draw because I think – you know, I lost the first two rounds, and then like I almost knocked her out in the third round. I think that would have been a ten-eight round. So at best, if it was the new rulings, it would have been a draw, but it wasn't. So I definitely think I lost that. Just, you know, I think I lost the first two rounds. I think I'm a better fighter, and I, you know, that was my second UFC fight. You know, she had fought for, fought Ronda for the titles. My first real camp. Yeah. You know, so I think that I was kind of putting myself down a little bit like kind of like thought oh wow now i'm here i'm fighting these girls that have been around forever but you know i've been training probably longer than those girls just because yeah. they were in the ufc it doesn't you know i kind of that's where like now me as a fighter now compared to then i think i've grown so much more and like confidence and knowing how good my abilities are yeah you especially ha- having way more fights in the ufc and like knowing mm-hmm. you're battle tested you've won way more fights since yeah. then but at the time, so now looking back, definitely positive for your career that you lost that fight probably. Yeah. But at the time, like, how did you take that? Because it's your first, like, major high-level loss. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was de- I was definitely, like, really upset, but, I mean... Were me, you like, able to brush I, it off your shoulder yeah, and, like, competed, get back in the gym? Yeah, right away. I mean, I've competed so much in jiu-jitsu, like, Muay Thai boxing. Like, I've lost, you know, everyone yeah. was like, oh, you're undefeated. It's your first loss. I'm like, oh, I've lost in, like, other aspects. And I think that that helped me a lot and because I've just competed so much, maybe not in MMA, but it's different combat sports. So, um, you know what I mean? I've yeah. experienced loss before and realized, like, you, you it's not the end of the world. You and then you did come back and you won a few fights in a row. You strung mm-hmm. together a few wins. The flyweight division is like officially opened, officially yeah. becomes a real thing. Uh, 
on the rise, like what has the rise been like? Because I, I've been watching your fights since then because we did the video right after that yeah. uh, Madison Square Garden card. Yeah. And by the way, when we did that video, do you ever get people that come up to you and are like, oh, I saw that video where Yo, you kicked that like, kid's ass? all the time, especially when that happened. And I swear to God, it was like three weeks ago. I was at training at Nick's and like Nick's, Nick Catone's. Um, and one of like the regular students walked by. And he's like, he's like, hi, I'm so-and-so. I was like, oh, nice to meet you. He's like, you know, I saw you on a bar stool. He's like, that's amazing. <laughs> that was so cool when you beat Robbie up. I was like, oh, shit, that's awesome. That's very funny. Yeah. That. I always think about that because I'm like, I was literally an intern when, yeah, when we did yeah. that. I got the idea for it. And yeah. I, I was like, yeah, I was like, I got to hit up like a New York fighter. Who can I hit up? Yeah. I was like, let me hit up Caitlin. But that was a lot of fun to do. And it's like funny to look back at now. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Like, that yeah. was over it was two funny years ago now. A lot of people, like, at, you know, at the time, I was like, I didn't realize how many people. I mean, now it's like crazy, but I didn't realize how many people, like, watch Barstool Snapchat. And then, oh, like, yeah. I was getting so many, everyone was like, uh, wait, did I just see you on Barstool Snapchat? Just I, beating, I actually remember beating that was their on the intern Snapchat up. I was like, yeah. We had our old office. There was like a there was a massage chair. Like mm-hmm. someone sent us a massage chair as a gift. Okay. And right afterwards, I was like super sore. <laughs> I just like was in the massage chair, and I, my phone blew up. And it was kids that were. Uh, I was in college with at the time. Yeah. And they were like, did you skip class today to fight someone? And I was like, why would you say that? And they're like, there's videos of it on Barstool Snapchat. Yeah, yeah. Everyone loved it. Yes, correct. I did skip class today to get beat up. Everyone loved it except my grandma. God rest her soul. Oh, my God. She hated it. Really? What did she say? She was like – he, he he needs to quit this job. Like they're She's making, like, what is he doing? They're, they're making him do horrible stuff. Oh He's God, getting beat so up funny. by women. Oh, it was the funniest thing. Her, my sister, and my mom were the three that they were like, "You you think this is funny? You they're really like, like this? They, is what you're they're doing? like they're like, and how do you up this? Yeah. How do you how do you one up this? You're gonna get beat up by a man next? I was like, no, I swear to God, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> That's so funny. You come up, you have a bunch of wins in a row. You lose to Jessica I, another mm-hmm. split decision, unfortunately. That yeah. seems like the shittiest way to lose in fighting. Yeah, it does. Like, it definitely sucks. This might sound super stupid. I feel like I'd rather get knocked out than oh, lose a split 100%. decision. Oh, 100%. Like, I kept saying after my last one, I'm like, fuck. I'm like, I just wish that, like, I just wish she, like, beat the shit out of me. Because yeah. then I could have been like, damn, she was just so good. And that's why I lost. Does like, your mind go to, like, what if I did one more thing in the second mm-hmm. round? Yeah, um, I mean, that particular fight was, like, the first fight I've ever had where I was, like, kind of felt like I just had an off night. Mm-hmm. You know, I would hear people say that all the time, and I'm like, I don't know, it's never happened to me. And that was, like, the first fight where I was like, damn, I was like, during the fight, I was, like, talking to myself. I'm like, all right, let's go. You're gonna So you like, knew in the fight that mm-hmm. you were having an off night? Yeah, yeah. They're like, right, I mean, I felt fine during warm-up, but as soon as it started, I just, like, wasn't. Usually I counter with, like, four or five punches. I was just kind of like... Just like, I don't know, the best way to describe it is just like I wasn't really feeling it that night. You know, I was in there and I was like kind of just like I just want to get this over with. It's just not – tonight's just – it's like if I fought her the next day or the day before, I think it would have went completely different. I mean it's easy to say that. You know, I'm sure a lot of people say that. But I just wasn't feeling it. And then it was like maybe like three weeks ago I watched the fight for the first time. I hadn't watched it. And um, you could see on, like, my – I mean, I could tell, like, my face in between rounds. I just kind of looked, like, annoyed. Like, I was – not annoyed, but I was just, like – like, because I knew it wasn't – You knew you weren't getting yeah, into the Yeah, I just things. know that I'm, like, a lot better than her. And I'm a lot better than I was, and I lost a split decision. On like, I lost yeah. a split decision for, you know, number one contender spot on, like, a shitty day. So yeah. that's what – made that loss that loss was way worse than my other loss because my other loss i was just like well i'm learning you know that you yeah, know and i tried my no best flyweight division then yeah this one was just kind of like 
damn, I just, I know I'm so much better. And like, then it also stings because she does get the title shot mm-hmm. now against yeah. Valentina on Saturday. Yeah. But you've been told if something doesn't work out with that, someone pulls out, you can fill in as a replacement for that. Yeah. Um, your opponent has been told the same thing. Yeah, Because yeah. that's the way the UFC operates, obviously. Yeah. But this Saturday night, what are you... What are you like? Are you looking to get in there and just get like a, a finish? Are you in that mode, or are you just like let's get another win? Yeah, I mean, I'm always thinking like whatever, just win, just win. You know, wins a win doesn't matter how it yep. is. I don't care if it's like you know, I'm like laying on top of her for three rounds and the crowd's booing. Like I don't that stuff doesn't bother me. I'm not yep. really like I'm just gonna put on a a show for the fans and go out there and do something stupid. You know. You know, I fight for myself. You know, I know that's probably not the most popular thing to say. Like, I don't no, fight for the fans, but they, they don't pay my bills. Fuck so, them. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to get a win. And uh, but for this particular fight, I really just keep visualizing myself getting a finish. Whether yeah. you know, I I visualize it like submitting her, and then I also visualize because uh, you would imagine out. if you do that, you will get the next title shot for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm ranked number two now, and I think though they put us on this card for a reason. Yeah. You know, would you like to? If you get a win on Saturday, when you get a win on Saturday, mm-hmm. let's keep the positive vibes flowing yeah. here. When you get a win, maybe get your title shot on that MSG card. That's uh, definitely. I, I would assume. You know, that's, trying to yeah. focus on focus on Saturday, but I mean, the timing makes sense. I know that. You know, I mean, Jessica, I could win, but um, realistically, I think Valentina is going to win, and I know she likes to be very active and fight as much as she can. So, you know, timing wise, as long as like there's no injuries, like. November for yeah. MSG sounds like it would make the most sense. Would that make you more nervous? Do you get like more the bright lights at MSG? You fought there already, so it's a little mm-hmm. bit different, but like a title fight at MSG. I've seen people say they don't like fighting in front of their families, like when their whole family gets to be there. Yeah, I mean, I think honestly, like for when I fought at MSG, it was like the least amount of people I knew my family was there because it's so, so expensive. It was, yeah. And everyone's like, yeah, it's right there. We'll, we'll see you after the fight. So, but, um, I don't really notice the difference at all. I mean, it doesn't – I mean, I would like it if it was in New York because then, you know, press and stuff is a lot easier because yeah. you don't have to travel. But, um, but yeah, I mean, when I fought at MSG, I remember not – I remember thinking, like, I don't know, it just felt like any other fight. Like, it didn't feel That's any – crazy to me that fighters are able to block that mm-hmm. out. It's and then crazy. It's like I think the lights breed. are like that because it's like, you know, you can't see past the first – you can't see past yeah. the first row. But then I remember after that fight, I uh, – I showered. I went back in. You're not like fighters aren't allowed to go back into the arena. Mm-hmm. Like we're at, like in the uh, the actual then seats. A, a Habib works out. Yeah, then, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but like I always sneak, I snuck my way in. I was like sitting with my parents, and they were kind of at the top. And it was when um, Eddie and Connor fought, and yeah. it was so insane in there. And I was like, for a second, because my teammates with Eddie at that point. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So for a second, like, because that's like a couple hours after your fight. So, mm-hmm. you you know, I think we got pizza and then I showered and we went back in. And I was sitting there. I'm like, this is so insane. I'm like, holy shit. And like for a second, I forgot. I'm like, I just fought you there. Fought like there, I'm yeah. watching it. I mean, granted, it wasn't like as hyped up as it was for my fight, like in the beginning of the card as it was for there. But it was like. I was so happy that I went back in and sat there so I could take it in from, like, that perspective because otherwise if I wouldn't have, I don't think I would have... It would have felt like another, just like any other fight, which is good when I'm fighting, but, you know, for... Like, as the fight goes on, my life goes on. To to look back and have that historic, like... You know, I'm sure you yeah. could picture it, like looking at the octagon at Madison Square Garden, knowing yeah. you fought there, the same place where all these legendary fights have happened. That main event being like yeah. one of those legendary fights people yeah. look back on. Yeah. So this Saturday, 
biggest fight of your career. I've seen you say yeah. all the time, next fight is the biggest fight. I love that mentality. Yeah. Caitlin is a barstool fighter. I've been telling barstool <laughs> fans for two years now. Undefeated like, barstool. Like, like she fights, you better get behind her. You better support her. Same goes for this Saturday night. I'm very excited for it. Getting another big win. Getting a title shot afterwards. We'll be there at MSG for that title win. Yeah. Eat pizza afterwards. Exactly. It'll be a great time. Caitlin, thank you so much for joining the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Caitlin for coming on the show. It was a blast talking to her. We uh, we got to get back together and make a video. We talked about it after the interview a little bit. But after she gets this win, she'll come back to New York, and uh, we'll get something sorted out, maybe, maybe another challenge of some sort that could be fun. Now we're going to kick it over to the man that is in tomorrow night's main event, the man that will hopefully put an end to the king of cringe, Henry Cejudo. Please, God, Marlon Marais. Um, this interview is pretty interesting. I only had a 10-minute slot with him, and I tried to make the best of it. Marlon was, I don't know, not the most uh, energetic. It sounded like he just woke up, but we tried to have fun with it. We tried to salvage it, and I think just listening to his answers, he's so locked in and determined. It kind of just made me laugh while I was doing it, so I hope it makes you laugh as well. Okay, Marlon, you're speaking with Bobby Fox from Barstool Sports. Marlon, how are you? I'm good, man. It's uh, it's yeah, Wednesday. We're we're just a few you know, days out from the fight now. Uh, has the weight cut began? Yeah, and Tuesday, Wednesday, and and Thursday are the hardest day. You know, I still feel good, and I'm on point. You know, I, I can't wait to make weight and and perform Saturday night. I'm glad to hear it because this is a fight that I'm looking forward to very much as a fight fan. Uh, it's the main event of UFC 238, Marlon Marais versus Henry Cejudo for the bantamweight championship of the world, which is vacant right now in the UFC. Henry Cejudo, the 125-pound champ, coming up to uh, try to become an, a double champ like that. I saw you had some some issue with Henry Cejudo coming up into your weight class. You uh, you said it was a selfish move. Do you still... You still feel that way? You still feel a little uh, animosity towards Henry? Oh, man, he wants something I want, you know. We're about to fight, and that's no way I didn't have that, you know. And he he's stepping up. He he wants two belts, and I, I want to defend my division. And I worked hard to get here, to have my title shot, to be the number one contender. And I'm going to welcome him Saturday night, and I'm ready for ready to go out there and win something i saw that was very interesting to me in the in the build-up to this fight was that you did an interview with ariel hawani and you kind of mentioned in passing that henry had reached out to you this is a few months ago uh to try to maybe ease tensions when the fight wasn't even official yet and you felt like he was trying to almost hinder your mentality towards this fight that that was super interesting to me did you, did you take that as like I want to say, like, a sign of weakness from Henry, that he was trying to almost be friendly with you in the build-up to this, and you weren't interested in that? We can't trust, you know. He wants to be champion. I want to be champion. Maybe it's a game. <laughs> playing, and I'm not goofing around, man. Uh, I've been raised in Brazil, and and I'm ready for anything, you know. Yeah. And and I don't, I don't want to make no friends now. I, I want to fight. And when you fight, it's you and and your opponent across the cage. And, and this, in this game, there's no team. And at some point, we're going to have to compete. And we're going to have to go out it. And this is what we're going to do Saturday night. 
Marlon, I got to tell you, I'm talking to you over the phone right now, and you're intimidating me. You're so locked in right now. I love to hear this as a fighter from Tom's River. I used to actually live in Tom's River, beautiful area. Uh, you're not you're not from there, but you're you know fighting out of Tom's River. How do, how do you like Jersey as a guy from Brazil? I'm curious. Summertime is the best. Yeah. Wintertime not the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you tried any of our uh, Jersey delicacies, such as the the pork roll or the Taylor ham? I like it. Yeah, Mark Henry's got you on that stuff? Yeah, Frankie, Frankie. Frankie oh, it's Frankie. Yeah, I try. I like it. So you are training with, with that whole team, uh, uh, Frankie and Zabit and Caitlin Chukagian. I actually had Caitlin Chukagian on this show. I spoke to her earlier in the week, and she mentioned that your team very much feels like a family. Do you echo that statement? Do you think that the Mark Henry kind of school is is like a family like that? Yes, it is. It's a good team, you know. I'm happy to be there. They support me. I, I put on the work. I support everyone, and I believe uh, we are one of the best teams in the world. In the world, you know. Yeah. So, as a fighter, I like to ask a ton of fighters the same question. When you look at the landscape of mixed martial arts right now, like who is it that? you feel is entertaining to watch and you enjoy tuning in to watch them fight? Yeah, I like to watch Adson Barbaros. I like to watch Justin Gage. I like to watch Eddie Alvarez. He, he fights. He go out at, you know. Yep. I like to watch I like to watch Johnny Walker. He's a very, very <laughs> Yeah, Johnny Walker's watch. electric. John Johns. And there's so many guys. I like to watch Daniel Cormier. So you're very much a student of the game. You enjoy watching mixed martial arts. Especially these stars, you know. Yeah. So uh, this Saturday night, when you're visualizing it in your head, what what are you visualizing? Are you thinking of the walk-in? Are you thinking of the fight itself? Are you thinking of the moment you're crowned champion? What is it in your mind right now that when you think of Saturday night sticks out to you? My performance, you know. Yeah. i got to perform. got to have a good performance and I got to do well and do what I know and be the best version of Marlon you guys ever seen. That's it. And you're looking for a finish, correct? You you kind of made that clear that you're going out there every fight, it seems, that you're not one to leaving it to the judges. You don't love doing that. Every fighter that steps in the cage is looking for a finish, you know. If they say they're looking for points, they're lying because you're across a guy and you want to hit him. When you want to hit someone, you want to see him going down you don't want to hit the guy and and have him coming at you again so everybody that steps in there is looking for a finish and why do you feel that you're the one that will be able to finish henry cejudo at ufc 238 i'm the best weight in the world you know and one of the dangerous and i'm ready man i'm ready to go out there and, and scrap dude you sound ready and after this fight do you are you thinking past this fight at all in terms of like do you know if you want to fight again this year? Do you know if you want to? Do you know if you, there's a guy in the division that you know you want to call out? Is there something like that, or is it just Saturday night for you right now? I want to win the belt first. You know, I want to. My main focus on Henry fight. It's a tough fight. I worked hard for this fight, and I want to get in there and I want to win. And after that, we will see. I don't know. Uh, my focus on this fight. And and finally, uh, just one last question from me. I really appreciate you making the time on Fight Week, especially during your weight cup. But does Henry Cejudo make you uh, uncomfortable or like, I don't know, every time I watch an interview with this guy, I kind of cringe. He's just a, he's just kind of a weirdo. Does he, do you get those vibes from him? Sweeten is my friend. <laughs>
It's and weakness. When you have you have when you have to, to to talk yourself so up, you know, and that's a sign of weakness. And I'm gonna be able to touch it and capitalize it. I know I will. Interesting. So he he does make you cringe as much as he makes me cringe. All right, good to hear, good to hear. Marlon, thank you so much for making the time again. You can tune in to see him fight this Saturday night, UFC 238. I can't wait. I think you're going to be the new bantamweight champion of the world come Saturday night, sir. Thank you. That's the goal, and that's what I'm going to do. Absolutely. Bring it home for Tom's River, home of the Little League World Series champions many times over. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you once again to Marlon, and of course, thank you to Caitlin Chukagian. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you're subscribed, because on Monday, I'm coming at you with an awesome wrestling show. Myself and my tag team partner in all of the From the Top Rope ventures on this podcast, Jared Kravis, sat down with Bailey, the WWE SmackDown Women's Champ, got to talk to her, and I sat down with a guy who wrote for the WWE for nine months in the last year, my guy Kazim, and we had a very interesting chat, and I think any wrestling fan would be fascinated as far as what goes down in a writer's room on Raw and SmackDown in 2018-2019. I'll be covering and live tweeting and live blogging UFC 238 tomorrow night, so make sure you follow along on my Twitter account at Robbie Barstool and on BarstoolSports.com for that. And enjoy the weekend. I'll talk to you on Monday.